Welcome to Rama for Today Radio. Pastors should teach their congregation. Don't scold them. Don't do it negatively, but little by little train them so they'll know when to keep quiet. Tell them when, when the Holy Ghost is in manifestation. Now that not only means tongues and interpretation of prophecy. Holy Ghost manifest. We'll get into that later on because he talked to me quite a while about manifestations. And I saw some things differently than I've seen them before myself. He said, tell the people, see, to reverence me by being quiet. Tell them to listen. And then when God has spoken, to lift their hands and praise me. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Today we continue the series, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits by Kenneth E. Hagan. Stay tuned as we listen to this powerful, timeless teaching. Also, later in today's program, I'll give you the details on this month's special offer. Right now, here's Kenneth E. Hagan's classic message. And so uh, I said, all right, Lord, I'll teach. I'll give you Friday night, you see. That's our biggest crowd, Friday night, church meeting. I'll teach, and I'll just prove to you that won't work. Now, we'd been going, you see, for one week, and, and we had one little girl lifting a hand for prayer. Nobody had been saved, nobody filled with the Spirit. And so I taught 45 minutes on the subject of faith, and said, now, I'll give an altar call. No one won't nobody come, but I'll give an altar call just to prove you. Give an altar call, and five grown men came, got saved. Well, I hadn't been able to sleep for praying. Now then I can't sleep for repenting. <laughs> you know, some way or another, the Lord knew more than I did. Isn't that strange? And so uh, uh, the pastor told me, he said, Brother Hagin said four of those men never had been saved before. In other words, never a member of anybody's church. Of course, church membership wouldn't save you, but at least show you as interested. The, in other words, there's brand new recruits. And not only that, but these five men are heads of family. In one service, he got four brand new fam whole families. See, by getting the man, he got the family. He got four families in his church. Why, in those days in Pentecostal circles, if we had a three weeks revival and got six saved, two filled with the Holy Ghost, we thought we had a landslide. <laughs> and here he got four families one night. I went to another church, so I just began to teach them. I went to another church, and in 10 days' time, little old church, you know, in 10 days' time, he got 12 brand new families in his church. And we'd just do that again and again. Because, you see, I've got his plan. I'm carrying out his plan. And then his full blessing and full flow of the Spirit can come upon his plan. But his full blessing and full flow and full dimension of the Spirit cannot come on man's plan and on man's works and on man's needs. Now, I saw us, as I said, I looked down upon the crowd, and, and we were all clapping our hands like that. And Jesus said to me, to clap is neither praise nor worship. And that astounded me. He said, to clap is neither praise nor worship. And I looked down on us, and we were all clapping. Now, when I participated, as I looked down from up there, I could see my body here. If I wasn't participating, I didn't see myself there. But I was standing there with him. He said, to clap is neither praise nor worship. 
To clap, he said, is to applaud. And clapping should be at a minimum in the services, not at a maximum. And pastors should teach their people so they'll know when to keep quiet. Tell them when, when the Holy Ghost is in manifestation. Many times, I'm going on quoting him now, many times when the Spirit of God is moving, for instance, someone speaks with tongues and interpretation, right in the middle of interpretation, everybody starts clapping. Well, they couldn't be in the spirit because if it was, if the tongue interpretation of the spirit, then the spirit interrupted himself and nobody hears what the spirit said. Well, if, if, it, if it is the Holy Ghost saying something and we can't hear what he said, then we've either wasted our time by clapping or we wasted our time by trying to manifest the spirit or in prophecy. He went on to say, many times when a word of prophecy is going forth and people begin to clap, then no one hears what's said. They miss part of it. No, he said what they have done in this area, and I'll go to another area, and then I'll, I'll say that, I'll give the illustration he gave me. He said, uh, clapping is not one thing in the New Testament about clapping. It says in the 127th Psalm, or on the 47th Psalm, Oh, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. But that's the only time, really. There's some incidents of people clapping in the Old Testament about natural things. And there's some scripture about the waves, the floods clapping their hands, the hills being joyful. But you know that's figuratively. But, uh, there's not one single scripture he said to me under the new covenant about anybody clapping. Now what has happened here, I'll go ahead and say that he said is, in the Old Testament, Solomon, you know, when he built Solomon's temple, which is the house of the Lord, and he made all the utensils of gold. First Kings chapter six. Now, notice that he said, let's start reading the 20th verse. And the oracles in the forepart was 20 cubits in length and 20 cubits in breadth and 20 cubits in height thereof. And he overlaid it with pure gold and so covered the altar which was of cedar. So Solomon overlaid the house within with pure gold and he made a partition by the chains of gold before the oracle and he overlaid it with gold. And the whole house he overlaid with gold until he had finished all the house also, the whole altar, see this is the house of the Lord, the whole altar uh, that was by the oracle he overlaid with gold. And within the oracle he made two cherubims of olive trees and ten cubits. And it goes on to describe in the 24, 26 and 27th verse. And then he says, and he, the 28th verse, and he overlaid the cherubims with gold. And then he says, and the floor, the 30th verse, and the floor of the house is overlaid with gold within and without. Now notice the seventh chapter of 1 Kings, 48 through the 50th verse. And Solomon made all the vessels that pertained unto the house of the Lord. See, this is the house of the Lord. The altar of gold, the table of gold, whereupon the shoe bread was, and the candlesticks of pure gold, five on the right side, five on the left, before the oracles with the flowers and the lamps and the tongs of gold. 50th verse, and the bowls and the snuffers and the basins and the spoons and the censers of pure gold and the hinges of gold, 
both for the doors of the inner house and the most holy place, and for the doors of the house to it of the temple. Now then, notice Second Chronicles, the 12th chapter. Second Chronicles, the 12th chapter. And we'll start reading with the ninth verse. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord. Well, we just got through reading what the treasures of the house of the Lord were. And the treasures of the king's house. See, because you read about the house of the Lord back there, and you read about also Solomon's own house. He took all. He carried away all the shields of gold which Solomon had made. And incidentally, all the treasures of the house, all of those golden instruments, instead of which King Rehoboam made shields of brass and committed them to the hands of the chief of the guard and kept the entrance of the house. And uh, so what he did actually was that Rehoboam made brass. Well, you see, brass, gold, notice he kept saying pure gold. It's pure. But brass is an alloy of copper and zinc. And what the Lord said to me is that in this charismatic move, move, you brought the brass of the world into the temple of the Lord to substitute for pure gold. And I can only bless you so far because you brought the, the clapping of the world into the temple, not the building. The church is the temple. Now, it's good to clap along when you keep in time with a song. But he said, you see, over when you come into the New Testament, all praise and worship should be done in the Spirit. Israel did not praise God in the Spirit. No one had the Holy Ghost, as we do. The king, the priest, the prophet was anointed by the Holy Ghost to stand in that office. Then sometimes when God called somebody special to do a special work, he would anoint them or fill them with the Holy Ghost to do that work. But they worship God purely in the flesh. We should worship God in the spirit. We should not go back there and copy what they did, though the principle may be the same, the example may be the same, yet the practice is not the same. Are you following me now? Pastors should teach their congregation. Don't scold them. Don't do it negatively, but little by little train them so they'll know when to keep quiet. Tell them when, when the Holy Ghost is in manifestation. Now that not only means tongues and interpretation of prophecy. Holy Ghost manifest. We'll get into that later on because you talked to me quite a while about manifestations. And I saw some things differently than I've seen them before myself. He said, tell the people, see, to reverence me by being quiet. Tell them to listen. And then when God has spoken, to lift their hands and praise me. You know, when you come to the New Testament, you remember Paul told, told I like to put it this way, the Holy Ghost too, Paul said to Timothy, I would that all men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. The only thing that we're told to do with our hands is to lift them up. I want you to notice. Uh, somebody said, and it's, it's true, you know it's true. She said here, I would that all men pray everywhere. Someone said, praise is the highest type of prayer. 
You see, prayer is not what many people think it is. It isn't gimme, 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 gimme. Prayer, among other things, is fellowshipping with God the Father. Amen? You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Call now to get this month's special offer, the CD series Camp Meeting Classics Volume 1 for 1995. Featuring classic camp meeting sermons from Kenneth E. Hagan, Kenneth W. Hagan, Oral Roberts, and John Osteen. Call today and get this month's special offer now. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. That's 1-888-FAITH-99. Or if you prefer, write Kenneth Hagan Ministries. Our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. Don't forget, for faster service, order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Now, let's join Ken and Lynette Hagan. Don't forget, if you're in the Oklahoma City area, we have Rama Bible Church there on Sunday night live. It's not video. Yep. Live at 8921 Northwest Expressway in Oklahoma City. Come and visit and be a part of that. And somebody said, well, why Sunday night? Well, you know, they started Saturday night services so you could have the whole uh, day Sunday off. Mm -hmm. I said, well, hey, enjoy the weekend That's and right. come and enjoy Sunday morning on Sunday night. That's and, right. and a lot of people are, are doing that and it's great. And what a great way to start the week. Yes, what right. a great way. Are you trying to determine what your next step in life is? Are you called to ministry or just want a deeper knowledge of the Bible? Now is the time to take action. Join us for Fall College Weekend this November 1st through 3rd at Rama Bible Training College. Call 918-258-1588, extension 2238, or get all the details now at our website at rbtc.org. Join us for classes, meet the dean and instructors, and find out all about Rama. Don't wait. Make a decision that could change your life. Visit rbtc.org now and register. Tomorrow, more from Reverend Hagen on this powerful teaching. That's tomorrow on Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagen.